I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I am pre-recording this sermon on Saturday uh, because I believe that I've been exposed to the Omicron variant, and uh, I, although I feel fine, if uh, that is the case, then I might be contagious to others. And so thank you to Gary for stepping in at the last minute to uh, lead the worship today, and, uh, and thank you to the tech team for taking this file and playing it for our reflections. Uh, our scripture readings this morning um, are, uh, continue the theme of this season, which is the theme of Jesus' ministry. We've uh, looked at his baptism, and we are now um, following his, um, his trajectory into his earthly ministry. And it matters for us as Christians, obviously, because Jesus' ministry is our ministry. So who we are as church um, ought to be um, and is an extension of Jesus' ministry because we are the body of Christ, as we heard in the second reading. So when we read these scriptures about Jesus' own understanding of his ministry, we need to take them to the heart because they, uh, they express who we are and who we ought to be. So we have his uh, great reading of the Isaiah scroll where he has the expressions of jubilee, release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor, letting the oppressed go free. And so at some level, that needs to be at the heart of who we are as the church, that we are about the release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor and letting the oppressed go free. And so we have this this notion of freedom being at the heart of who we are as Christians, that we come, we we are made free by Christ, we are set free, and we share the message of freedom and we invite others into that same freedom. And there's where the rub is, because what does that freedom mean? How do we interpret that freedom? And this is really the subject of my reflections today. Because I think it's easy to get wrong, and I think we do get it wrong uh, a lot of the time. The, there's a paradoxical, paradoxical quality in the Christian understanding of freedom, because on a surface level, it looks like constraint and restriction. Um, and this is because of the wisdom that apparent freedom, there's a, there's a wrong freedom and a right freedom. And the wrong freedom is what apparently looks like that... Um, I think of it as an adolescent freedom where nobody gets to tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. I get to make my own decisions and decide what I do. And this is by far the dominant understanding of freedom in our culture. Uh, Libertarianism is a political philosophy built around nobody telling anybody else what to do. And the problem with that is that it's immature, it's adolescent. It, uh, it doesn't recognize the fact that our choices are not uh, exercised in a vacuum, but are exercised in a context where there are other human beings and indeed other organisms of other kind that have value as well, uh, which are all affected by the combination of the choices we are all making. So true freedom involves the abstaining from making certain choices because certain choices lead to more restrictions in the end. Uh, we we see this even in the Corinthians itself when Paul is talking about this great metaphor of we are the body of Christ and you know the eye is not better than the foot and the body needs all of us. Um, he's talking to a community that heard that message of freedom and interpreted exactly wrongly. 
where I am free to be me and nobody gets to tell me what to do. And I've been given these gifts and these spiritual powers and all the rest of it. And that makes me great. And I'm better than you. And you're, you know, you're, you're a problem. So you have factions and quarreling in Corinthians as you do in our uh, society today with everybody concerned about where they uh, sort and, and what their privilege is and what their rights are. And a little sidebar on the language of rights. Um, I appreciate why the moral language of our, uh, our, our culture is couched in the language of rights. Um, it's often contrasted with the word privileges, and I appreciate that the word rights has more teeth than the word privileges. Uh, they, rights are enforceable, privileges are not. And so if you want justice, if you want people to be treated well and not to be oppressed, giving them rights and having them able to enforce those rights seems stronger than talking about uh, how people have privileges. But one of the dangers in, in, in couching our moral framework in terms of rights is that rights are also absolute and they exist sometimes in tension with each other. My right to something may be in tension with your right to something else. And if they're both absolute, there's no way to resolve that tension. Um, and ultimately it leads to violence where I have to defend my rights and you have to defend your rights and we're going to settle this the old-fashioned way. So the language of rights is good, but it is limited and it is impoverished when it is not, um, not accompanied by a language of responsibilities. And the language of freedom in our religious tradition encompasses both of those notions, that, that the language of freedom represent, uh, respects the notion of rights, that, that, um, that people ought not to be treated certain ways. And another way of saying that is that they have a right not to be treated that way. But at the same time, those moral uh, inhibitions mean that we are all accepting limitations, that the, the, the goal of a greater freedom requires individual sacrifice in order to achieve that greater freedom. So that's the paradoxical quality that my reflections are on about today. Um, in the discussion of vaccines and vaccine mandates, we have a lot of talk about uh, freedom uh, versus um, community responsibility. Um, there's a segment that uh, sees themselves as Mel Gibson yelling "Freedom, Braveheart," um, and and the and that's that's where these uh, these paradoxical realities, I think, are uh, are most visible. That, that if we allow everybody to make their own health decisions when we are dealing with a contagious disease, then, uh, then we all suffer and we are all less free as a result. So this notion of, of release to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, letting the oppressed go free, that this represents a real concrete historical political liberation movement that we cannot uh, distance ourselves from as Christians, that that we, there is a, a real this-worldly quality to the gospel, uh, to what salvation is about, that salvation is bigger than history, yes, and, it, and, and we participate in it from beyond the grave, yes, we do, and it is also manifested within history and in human community and in human relationships. And it's that paradoxical quality where in order for that freedom and that, um, that liberation to be experienced, we all accept limitations in order to express that greater freedom. So I'm, I'm very grateful to Benedictinism, for example, which talks about the limitations of a monastery and a rule of life, where, where you, uh, on the surface, it looks like you are curbing your own freedom. Um, a, a story that 
I remember fondly as a young man saying to a monk, uh, you, you can't have a car, you can't have a job, you can't have a girlfriend, what's the point? And the, and the monk, without missing a beat, said, well, that's because I'm free from a car, and I'm free from a girlfriend, and I'm free from a job, so I'm free to be who I was meant to be. And there is the paradox right there that as as Christians we accept limitations on what we say and what we do and how we behave in order for our deeper selves to experience a kind of freedom that is not possible when we have this surface level freedom which is actually just another form of slavery. Instead of being told what to do by another person, we are told what to do by our own instincts and our desires and our passions. And, uh, and again, in, a, in the current context, uh, we have no shortage of um, internet manipulators who are happy to tell us what to do without consequence or accountability. And, and people become enslaved to that, that steady drip of misinformation, which again makes people less free. They believe they're being more free. They believe that their eyes are open and they have gone from blindness to sight. And yet, at, in reality, uh, it is the opposite. Um, there's no blindness more blind than the blindness that thinks it can see. And there's no slavery more absolute than a slavery that calls itself freedom. And for me, that is the story of our modern Western secular culture. It calls itself free. And yet we are buffeted by markets and by advertising and by propaganda. And we're all free to do our own thing. But as long as that thing is us buying stuff and feeding our appetites and uh, playing our, you know, seeking our, um, our entertainment and, and all the, the things that we distract and amuse ourselves and keep the economy going. So this is called freedom. And yet are we be, being the community of God that we are called to be? I'm not sure that we are. So this gift that we have been given as a Christian community is the gift of true sight into what freedom really is. The freedom uh, and, uh, the freedom to be our true selves, the freedom to be in relationship of love and kindness and compassion with each other, a, a freedom that only comes when the suffering of one is the suffering of all. We talk about, you know, Paul talks about the, the, the prophets and the teachers and the tongues and the, so forth as different kinds of Christians, the factions within Corinth that are all competing for privilege and prestige and, and in our society we might talk about gym owners and truckers and healthcare workers um, all with their own rights and their own concerns and and so forth and a society that that has everybody fighting for their rights is not as free as a society that says when one of us suffers we all suffer and so we all accept limitations and hardships in order for all of us to be better off and more free so that, for me, is the paradoxical heart of this, this statement of Jesus' ministry, that this freedom that he came to proclaim and into which he invites all of us, the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of freedom, is a freedom that is a deep freedom, not a shallow freedom. It's a freedom of the spirit, a freedom of the heart, a freedom of the person, not a freedom from somebody telling me what to do. That it is a mature freedom, and a mature freedom that is 
that allows us to be closer to God and closer to each other and closer to who we really are. And that's what we're about as church. That's how we need to be with each other to start. And that's how we need to be in our community relationships, wherever we may find ourselves. This is good news. And into this, we would be happy to invite others. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.